beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we come to this little epistle of Philemon that teaches us much about forgiveness and reconciliation, which is what we see in the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, who went about doing good to all men and one who forgave sins and iniquity. This is the purpose of Christ's coming, that he would glorify his Father by giving his life a ransom for many so that we might be reconciled to the true and living God. Paul is teaching here in this little epistle of Philemon, as he writes to Philemon, is that as those who have been forgiven, our character is to be one who is forgiving. Now, don't make the mistake to think, as Jesus teaches, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. To think that forgiving one another is the the basis of our forgiveness with God. Judicially, our forgiveness with God is always and only the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ has forgiven us of all of our sins. There are times in the Christian life where forgiveness is hard. It's difficult to forgive somebody. It's difficult to be reconciled. It's difficult to address the issue, to come, to talk about it, and to resolve the conflict. There are times in the Christian life where that is difficult. What Paul and what Jesus are speaking about is the attitude that you will not forgive. That if that person does come to you and does ask you to forgive them, and you already have a hard attitude that you will not forgive them, then you demonstrate. You may be a forgiven individual, but you demonstrate, at least at that point, that you're not one who is forgiven. The attitude of the Christian is that we always ought to be ready to forgive one another. Why? This is our duty as believers. So there is a relational sense as well of being forgiven by the Lord. That relational sense of fellowship. Fellowship can be broken. Think about this as believers. Fellowship as believers can be broken. Union that we have in Jesus Christ can never be broken. But fellowship can. And so the difficulty of repairing those particular breaches so there might be the continual flow of fellowship, sometimes that's difficult. That's why the Apostle Paul in Romans 12 says, as much as lies within you, be at peace. Strive to be at peace with all men. Be a peacemaker. Sometimes it can be difficult with people. Uh, But Paul is teaching here uh, the virtue of forgiveness and reconciliation. He is speaking to uh, a friend of his, Philemon. Philemon uh, had to have been a wealthy man, a man who housed the church in his own uh, home. So in other words, they had house churches. The church would gather in someone's home and worship in the early church. It wasn't until later that we began having buildings and, and, and this to be able to worship in like as we have today. About the third century when buildings other than homes of people used to be opened up where buildings now were, were built to provide the housing of the church to gather for worship. That, that came later. So in the early church, you had the house churches. And, and these, this house church with Philemon, it had to be enough, well-supplied, and big enough to provide for a number of people. And I know my own home, and how many people could I actually fit into that home before you start looking like sardines, right? And so if you had a bigger home, you had the ability then to have more people. It wasn't a large church that we're speaking of here, 
uh, church in Colossae, but it's number of people that would gather together. So clearly Philemon had something of a means. He also at least had one slave in Onesimus. And so he had to have some type of wealth, but he was a Christian man. He was a godly man. He was a loving man. And his character begins to come out as the Apostle Paul addresses him. He talks about a fellow friend, beloved friend, and fellow laborer, speaking about Philemon. Uh, These are effective terms, and they are affectionate terms. They're effective because they are that which ministers to us as the people of God, reminding us that we are to be uh, beloved friends to one another and beloved laborers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be laboring in the things of Christ. So I mentioned this morning, the winter months, the cold, dark days, where sometimes we might not see the sun for a few days. And then the light goes down pretty quickly and it becomes dark sooner in the winter months than in the summer months. And being able to reach out to others, is it only me? It's not just my responsibility. It's our responsibility. Some of you think that it's just my responsibility. You're not thinking right. You're not thinking biblically. We're a body. And within the body, every part has a particular share in the ministry of the body. So you have your particular share. I have my particular share in this ministry, the ministry of Hope Reformed Church. We are in this together. And so we are to be involved in the life of the body together. You with the gifts that God has given you and me with the gifts that God has given me. But we are all to be involved. Somebody's in the hospital. We all ought to be involved in that. Now, you might not be able to go, but can you send a phone call? Can you text? Can you send some flowers? You can do something. And this is the problem, isn't it? That many don't do anything. Many think it's the responsibility only of the pastor to do all the work and ministry of the church. And that is not what the scriptures teach. You think about Ephesians chapter 4. And that we are one body with many members. Paul addresses that again in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12. And God has gifted the members of the body to function so that it might promote growth, edification in the life of the body, upbuilding in the life of the body. We are all to be involved. That's what Paul is addressing Philemon as a friend and a fellow laborer. Can we say that about one another? We're fellow laborers. I've been in congregations where it seems like there are always those that when you're edifying and building up, they're taking down. You're putting bricks down and you're laying them up to build up and somebody in the, in the night is coming and removing those bricks, causing problems in the life of the church. Schism. Well, that's not good for the church of Jesus Christ. We're to be fellow laborers while working together. The same motion, same direction for the glory of God. He talks about Aphia, Archippus. Clearly Philemon's wife and his son. And he calls them fellow soldier uh, in their church. They were beloved. They were loved by the Apostle Paul. uh, And then he gives a benediction. Now he comes to particulars in a prayer. He mentions things about Philemon, and this demonstrates, number one, the character of the Apostle Paul. It demonstrates also the character of Philemon, and it reveals to us the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Because this is the character of Christ. Remember that Paul and Philemon as believers, and us as well, are being conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So these are characteristics which ought to be seen in us even more and more as we grow in grace. Notice what Paul says when he begins here. Really, he begins the body of his letter. He says, I thank my God. And just stop right there. Paul, you, saw, you, you know, as you read through the epistles, had, it was one of his habits, is a watchword. You find this with the Apostle Paul often. Thanking God. Now, let's, let's wipe off the table of the garbage and let's recognize immediately exactly what people always say to me, I'm not as thankful as I ought. That is a given, beloved. We already know that. We already know that we, we, are, to be, we are to be perfect in our thanksgiving to God. There is no practical perfection. But are you striving to do it well? Are you reminding yourself in some way about giving thanks to the Lord in the little things? You know, you don't thank the Lord for the furnace until the temperature really starts to dip, don't you? You take it for granted. You wake up in the morning and you can see your breath and all of a sudden, you know, whoa, what's going on here? And you can be thankful for a warm building. You came in this morning and as you came through those double doors, you loved it when you felt the heat coming, right? You could be thankful to the Lord for that. What if you lived 200 years ago? And you find yourself warming yourself with little glovings on in front of a, stole, uh, a coal stove trying to keep warm because they didn't have central heat. How about the ability to see, the ability to hear, the ability to even travel here in a warm car that we're not worshiping out in the parking lot where it's cold and windy, that we're able to come into a comfortable bit. Are you thankful for that? Now, let's get into some deeper things. Are you thankful for your family? Are you thankful for your friends? Are you thankful for the body of Christ? Are you thankful for other believers? Are you thankful for the church? You see, I think many people today take the church for granted. It'll just be here next Sunday. We ought to strive always to gather together as the people of God for worship. Because the day where it's easy to get here uh, might become very difficult. And there might be those days in the providence of God that it becomes a great hardship to be here. And then we will regret the day we squandered when we could and we didn't because whatever. Be thankful to God for other believers. Be thankful to God for the body of Christ. Be thankful for fellow laborers, beloved friends, beloved co-workers with the things of Christ. Being thankful. Are you a thankful person? It's interesting, isn't it? Because you can't be a thankful person and you can't render thanks to the Lord when you're grumbling. When you're slandering, you can't render thanks. When you're gossiping, you can't render thanks. When you're grumbling and backbiting, you can't render thanks. These things are mutually exclusive. So if we're going to be a thankful person, if we're going to be more thankful in our life, we've got to scrape some things aside, don't we? We have to get rid of some things that hinder 
are thanking God. We have to become more and more thankful. We have to strive for thankfulness. That's why I say reminding one another to be thankful. But Paul thanks God. And in his thanking of the Lord, notice what he says, making mention of you always in my prayers. This is the present tense. This means the Apostle Paul was in the habit of continually bringing up Philemon in his prayers. Now, some of you are of this opinion. Why do I pray for the same things every Sunday? I I don't pray for the same things every Sunday, and I don't pray the same thing every Sunday. There might be the same body, the same content of things. But until the Lord brings particular answers to these prayers, we continue to keep on praying for them. Do you think what Philemon was, why does he keep me in his prayers all the time? Why am I mentioned all the time? This was the habit and the purpose and the desire and design of the Apostle Paul to always bring his beloved friend and co-laborer before the Lord in prayer. We prayed for Pastor Dennis Rowe and his wife and and Esther and Danielle as well, serving right now as missionaries in Nepal. We prayed for their safety. We prayed for prosperity in the sense of the gospel being freely distributed as they're there. The, The free course, having the ability to, not being constrained by the government, but that we pray for them. We remember the missionaries, those in mission works, We remember the mission works of our denomination. We remember particular congregations. We do this every Lord's Day. And we ought to do this. Why? Because it keeps it fresh upon your mind. It's easy to forget, isn't it? If it's not going through your mind, if your mind isn't rehearsing these things, you forget. We are a people that constantly needs reminders or we soon forget. What was the combination to your high school locker? What was the number of your locker? Do you remember your first phone number? That might be a little bit easier to remember. But most of us forget it. Why? Lack of use. You know, certain things that you do. People will have, hey, can you do this for me? You know, I forgot how to do that. Here's a simple thing. Uh, trying to put the copy machine downstairs and putting um, some print on the back of something else and getting it where it's set right. Do you know how to do that? People give the, hey, you can do this? I don't do that every day. And so I forget. So what do I do? I keep a reminder. I keep a reminder of bulletins set aside so if I need to print something on the back side of this, I have it already set to look at it. I, okay, that's the example. Okay, I remember, right? Because it's not something that I do daily. We forget. We're forgetful people. So what do we need to do? We need to remind. That's clearly what the Apostle Paul was doing here about Philemon. He was remembering. You know, the Proverbs speak about uh, not forsaking the Word of God. We forsake, we thrust off the Word of God when we don't remember it. And we remember when we meditate, when we read, when we discuss, when we talk about it. And we do that when we have the small groups, when we have fellowship with one another. That's true fellowship. It's talking about the things of the Lord. Not about how cold it is. Not about will the spring come soon. Not about how much snow you got. Not insignificant, just not Christian fellowship. Christian fellowship is speaking about the things of God. Is dialoguing about those things. How often does that happen? 
We need to talk to one another remembering these things. Paul makes mention of you always in my prayers. Now, wouldn't that warm your heart? Somebody told you, hey, I'm praying for you. Wouldn't that warm your heart? Wouldn't it also surprise you? But why are you thinking about me? Well, you're part of the body of Christ. You're part of this congregation. And I love you as a member of the body of Christ. And I'm praying for you. I'm remembering you before the Lord. That, that's heartwarming. And so when I tell you, take the directory and look through and pray for, pray for a page one day. The next day, pray for another. And work through the congregation remembering the people of God. Remembering those of your own congregation. What an example the Apostle Paul gives us. Praying in this manner. Making mention of you always in my prayers. Prayers. Prayers can come in different forms. Different seasons of life. Sometimes we pray for ourselves with healing and the pain that we're going through. Sometimes we're praying for others. Sometimes we're crying out to the Lord because our heart seems to be at this moment like the dead of winter. Seems to be cold, indifferent. Apathy seems to have set in. And so we pray, Lord, revive me again. You find those prayers throughout the Psalms. Always making mention of you in my prayers. Notice what Paul heard about the character of Philemon. Hearing, uh, the Greek term there, a kouane. It is something that reached his ears. And how did that happen? Well, clearly, someone was speaking about Philemon. They were speaking about specifically, notice, his love and faith. Uh, great characteristics. Great virtues. The love of God, this is the agapao love, the agape love of God. This is the love that's shed abroad in the heart of the believer by the Holy Spirit, Romans 5. This is a love that reaches out. This is a love that gives. This is a love that is concerned about others rather than self. It is not you first, it's others first. You're thinking and providing and caring and sharing, reaching out and wanting and desiring to be involved and to care for others who have needs. So that Paul speaks about this in Ephesians 4. Uh, that we are not only to provide for our own needs. But also for others who have need. Now that means that we must be outward looking isn't it? We must be involved in the life of the congregation. We must have the ears and the ability to hear. And the intent to hear when there is a problem. When there is a difficulty. When there is a need in the life of the congregation. So, for us as a congregation, we have really, in some sense, we've adopted the Nepal work. Dennis Rose missionary adventures there in Nepal. And we have been involved, and we have been involved monetarily in that mission. We monthly give to that mission so that they can provide missionaries to bring the gospel to Nepal. We are involved financially so that we can provide, and we have provided, uh, an orphanage and a kitchen and a place for them to live and to be provided for and to have safety. We have been involved. And so when the need arises and the need comes, then I send it to the consistory, and the consistory responds by, let's give to that need. We recently gave uh, for uniforms and backpacks to the kids in Nepal that Pastor Roe is ministering to. 
We provided that. We, we had a need. The need came to us. We have the finances to be able to reach out. We are called to reach out and care. We can't do everybody, but we can do something. And we are doing something. We, not me, not the elders, not the deacons. We, the congregation, the giving, the providing, is caring for the needs of others. Uh, that's what love does. Love is concrete. Love is not in word or in tongue, but deed and in truth. Matter of fact, James speaks about that love. If you say you have the love of God, and your brother is in need and comes to you, and you shut up your heart from him, that's not the love of God. That's not true faith. That is not what the scriptures teach. Paul heard about Philemon's love. His care and his giving. Clearly, he heard about him opening up his home providing for the church to gather a safe place to worship, caring financially, obviously he, has, he was well-to-do, for other members of the congregation who didn't have abilities, who didn't have the finances, he provided, he helped, he shared. That's what love does. Love reaches, love cares, love gives. Love doesn't hoard. Love is involved in the lives of others. So he had this... And it was mentioned, it was clear. You know, uh, I'm thinking about Joshua and with, uh, with Rahab. Rahab had heard of uh, the Lord. She had heard of what the Lord did to the other nations that w would rise up against the Israelites. She had heard of him overthrowing. His fame and his name traveled. The proverb says that we are not to proclaim our own righteousness. Jesus says when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't blow a trumpet in your giving. That's not how we give. We are provided for by the Lord, and we give in these ways, meeting needs, and we do it, as it were, behind the scenes, because it's us as a congregation giving. This is the love. Love for one another, love for God, love for brothers and sisters in Christ, love for neighbors, and, and striving to love your enemies, to doing good to those who hate you. That's biblical love. This is what the, the world does not have. This is exclusive. This is distinct for the believer. The believer alone has this kind of love. Let me ask you this. Is your love known to other members of congregations, maybe within the denomination, is your love known? It's not something that you have said. It's what others have said about maybe things that you have done. And you haven't done it so others would say it. But you know how people are. They talk. People always talk. People can't stop talking. Sometimes they ought not to talk about some things that they keep on talking about. And they should talk about others that they don't. But we're always talking. And is, is your love, is that, is that heard of? Is that talked about? Or is it your coldness? You're withdrawn. You're not involved. And so this love and faith of Philemon was clear. The faith, pistos, this is the trust, the confidence in God. This is a man like Joshua, Caleb. They were of a different spirit than the other ten. The other ten were, wow, we were like grasshoppers next to those giants. Caleb said, let's go in and take the land. Joshua said, the Lord has given it to us. They were of a different spirit. This is a man of faith, a man of trust, a man of confidence. The Lord said it, that settles it. 
It doesn't matter what the world says. The whole world can stand opposed to it. This is a man of faith. This is Philemon. Is this you and I? Is this love and faith spoken about? What do people know of our love and our faith for the Lord Jesus Christ, for His people? Because that's what he says here, which you have towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith. What is that faith and love towards the Lord? Worship, service, caring for the congregation, believing of the Word. That's what he's referring to. The reference to a man of faith. This is what is spoken of with regards to those that hold the office in the church. They are to be men full of faith, the Holy Spirit, believers of the Word of God, solid in the Scriptures. They know the Word of truth. Clearly, this was Philemon. He had this love towards the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. You see, beloved, you can't have love for Jesus and not for His people. Notice the and right there. It's a coordinating conjunction. It brings the two together. You can't love the head of the church and hate the body. There are many people that think that today. That I can just have Jesus, that I don't care about the church. Well, then the Jesus that you say you're believing in is not the Jesus of Scripture. Because the Jesus of Scripture came to give His life a ransom for His people, for His sheep, for His body, for the church. If you love Christ, you love His people. If you love Christ, you strive to love His people. You strive to do well for His people. You strive to pray, to give, to share, to care, to provide, to be involved. That's what you do. You, you put aside the self. You put off the self. Right? We are to pick up our cross. We are to follow after Christ, denying self. Some things are hard. I get it. I understand. That's where self-denial comes in, isn't it? We're not a culture that loves self-denial. We hate self-denial. How many times have you been without a meal? Just deny yourself a, a, just a simple thing. A meal. How many times have you done that? We don't like to deny ourselves. We love pleasures. We love all the little pleasures. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the things that God gives. As a matter of fact, Paul said in 1 Timothy 4 that God gives us all things richly to enjoy. There's nothing wrong with enjoying it. But when it comes at the expense of not denying ourselves, it is a sin. It is a vice. It is a snare. So our love is to be towards the Lord Jesus Christ. That's manifest in our worship, isn't it? It's manifest in our reverence of the Word. It's manifest in our prayer life. It's manifest in our love towards the saints, the people of God, the redeemed of Jesus Christ. Paul moves on and he says that the sharing of your faith may become effective. Now, the sharing of your faith. Uh, being one who probably evangelized, probably spoke, but it has more of a reference in sharing the faith as in living the faith. This is how he was sharing it. He was living the truth. He was demonstrating that he believed the truth by living according to it. That's how he was sharing his faith. And what Paul is speaking about, that becoming, as he says, effective. Notice the effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you. It was a demonstration, and it also was that which worked in other believers. Paul, when he was in prison, and he continued to preach the gospel, and he said that he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. That's what he says here in this epistle. He says the same thing in Philippians. 
What does he mean there? Some became bold in the faith because of the boldness of the Apostle Paul. His sharing in the gospel ministry. His living his faith. And Paul is saying that this becomes effective. Energus. It's it's an energy. It stirs up. It heats up. That's what energy does. It creates heat, friction that goes on. And so stirring up the body of Christ. As the Apostle Peter says that our love is to be bubbling over in the congregation. It's to be heated up in that way. Our love, our affection, our desire for one another is to be in that manner. To become effective by the acknowledging. The acknowledgement is the epignosis. uh, The deep abiding understanding of God. Uh, Philemon was showing that he had a deep understanding of the gospel. That he had a deep understanding of Christ. What Christ came to do. Notice what Paul is doing here. He's really, it's really setting him up. Because he's saying, this is your character. This is who you are. This is what you know. You are deep in theological knowledge. Now forgive Onesimus. You have been forgiven. And I come to you as a friend, a beloved brother, a co-laborer in Christ. I don't come in simply the authority of the apostle, which I could do, but I don't. I come as one aged, one appealing, one who comes with an ironic spirit. I come in a peaceable manner, in a way appealing to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing. The every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. He was reflecting the character of Christ. This is the character of Christ. It's love. It's compassion, it's giving, it's caring, it's selfless. Denying self, that's seen in the person of Christ. Not my will, but thy will be done. If I must drink the dregs to the bitter end, uh, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. We're seeing that character in Philemon. Oh, all fallible, faint at times. Same with us. But it's there. It's not the character of the world. It's the character of the redeemed. So Paul says, we have great joy and consolation in your love. That, to know and to hear of a brother or sister of a congregation that responds in this way. He says there is great joy. Great rejoicing. Great joying in God when he hears of particular things in the life of the congregation. John says that he was stirred up as well uh, when he had great rejoicing hearing that you walk in the truth. That gave him great joy to know that the people of God are walking in the truth. So Paul says, I have great joy and great comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Can that be said of me and you. When you leave, are people's hearts refreshed? Whatever place you leave, whatever fellowship that you're in. Uh, let me use this. A number of you are in the small groups. So when you're in the small group and you leave the small group and you go off to your home, are the hearts of others refreshed because of you? And clearly, it's tracing back to the love and the faith. Love for God, for Christ, and for the saints means 
selfless, denying self, giving, caring, sharing, providing, protecting. And it also means because of this love that others are before you, it's seen, and you are one because of one of faith, faith in the word of God, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you are sharing the word of God. You are encouraging. You are putting to mind God's word to other believers. Are they refreshed? That's how you refresh other believers. By your love towards the Lord. Your exaltation of Christ. You're exalting Him. You're honoring Him. You're obeying Him. You're worshiping Him in this way. That is refreshing. Uh, John says, I have no greater joy than to to hear some of my children walk in the truth. Uh, That's great joy and consolation to the people. To hear that the congregation has done a particular thing. Or members of the congregation have moved out and have done this. That's refreshing. It's, it's, It's joy to the heart. I've been to hospital visits and somebody has said, you know, there were, I've had so many visitors today. Really? Yeah, and they start naming number of people from the congregation that have gone there. That refreshed my heart because it demonstrated a love that you have for one another, a care for one another, because that's what love does. Love gives, gives of time, gives of substance, gives of self to one another. And then that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, believing all things in the scriptures, knowing that it's through the word of truth that we're built up unto eternal life. You put the word of God to mind to each other. You counsel with the word of God. You're singing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's what you do. The Christian life is not isolated. The Christian life is not a solitary walk. It is a group. It is a congregation. It's a people. It's a body. That's how we are to live and move and have our being as the people of God. Paul was greatly comforted by this. And the saints' hearts were refreshed. Freshened. You know what it means to not be fresh. To be downcast. To be disheartened. To be freshened. To be enlivened. To be built up. To be strengthened. To be helped. Boy, that brother, that sister... They were a help. They really encouraged me. They really gave me great strength, great joy. I hated to see them depart. Are there those when you leave, they hate to see you depart? Are you one of those that, boy, couldn't wait for them to leave? Because it's all about you. Not when you have the love and the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the character of Christ. You see, four through seven. This is reflective in Paul. It's reflected in Philemon. The question is, is it reflected in us? Now, not in perfection, but in direction. Is this the seeming direction of our life? Refreshing, laboring, caring, sharing, providing, praying for one another? This really is just boils it down to Acts chapter 2, doesn't it? Apostles' doctrine, breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayers. Remaining steadfast in these things. This is the way, like Philemon, that we can be people of love and faith and refresh the hearts of others. That person is ready to forgive. Amen. Shall we pray?